Welcome to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. With a PhD from Harvard in the history of religions, Ronald Koch has been entertaining audiences for decades on the somewhat serious topics of spirituality and education. Today, we'll explore the importance of humor, and of course, we'll hear a few jokes. Okay. Hi. <laughs> so lucky to be here with you. Well, thank you for coming. Yes. So um, our guest today is Ronald Coach, and we're out here in California. And I have had the pleasure of being at your comedy routines a few times um, at the at Rudolph Steiner College, at the Osna Conference mm -hmm. um, in Portland. And uh, I know you're, you know, going around and doing these gigs and. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to interview you in particular because of the importance of humor. And mm -hmm. I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit and maybe like start out by telling us like how you came to anthroposophy and mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a tie in there somewhere. Right. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, um, maybe before how I came to into anthroposophy, how I got into humor is maybe relevant. Um, it started in the third grade. Uh, I was sitting seated in the front of the room and I was making comments about what the teacher was doing and this, my classmates behind me were laughing. And finally, Miss Paris Condola said, Ronnie, you go to the back of the room and read the encyclopedia, which I did. I spent much of third grade reading the encyclopedia in the back. <laughs> but anyway, I had, I had kind of gotten, I'd realized that I was, was able to make people laugh. and. Uh, that continued through my teenage years, and then uh, when I went to graduate school and I was in, in a community situation, whenever there was a party or an event, I was the MC and I did, uh, uh, you know, told jokes and kind of made things work. And that, that, that pattern continued in the various groups and communities that I was in for, for many years. And then in uh, 19, well, like, then I discovered anthroposophy initially in 1972, but more seriously in the, in the mid 80s and uh, I did the foundation year in uh, in Dornach in 88 89 and then in 1994 I was asked to come to Rudolf College it was 96 and to teach in the Japanese program and when I got here and kind of saw the whole kind of anthroposophical scene and everything I realized I had an inexhaustible source of material <laughs> And uh, at the beginning, um, we would have an, there would be like events at the college, and then I kind of gingerly asked the person who was in charge of the events, you know, if I could 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 uh, tell a joke or two at the at the event. And uh, initial uh, response was, well, what 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 do you mean by joke, kind of thing? What do you mean? Anyway, I slowly got my foot in the door, and uh, so it evolved that here at Rudolph Steiner College that. Uh, I would pretty much be the MC, or default MC for whatever event there was, and I would try to bring some humor into it. Uh, and and then the same thing happened at the Osna, the annual Osna conferences uh, that were held each summer, in various places. Somehow, I I think it was initially in Spring Valley. Uh, I got to do kind of the morning announcements about the, what was happening in the day's activities, and I started bringing some humor into that and. And that was, yeah, it's been that way ever since. I've been, I think, the last how many, 20 years. Every summer I'm at the Osna Conference uh, and uh, 
giving the announcements, and I'll be doing that again in Washington uh, this coming spring. Oh, that's so great. I remember, you know, some, there's a lot of material there, too, like right. the black crayons. And, oh, yeah, right, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recall yeah. some of that, and hopefully yeah. you'll get to tell yeah, us some yeah. jokes at the end here, too. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then over a couple of years, I put together enough stuff to, to, to like, fill a, a show. And um, I was invited, a friend of mine who was teaching in Pennsylvania at the time at the uh, Susquehanna School, she said, why don't you come here and, and do, this, do a show? And, I did, and that was my first show in, in, at the Susquehanna School, where I had an actual, it was a regular for, formal stand-up comedy. I was you know, standing on the stage for an hour, hour and 15 minutes and telling jokes. Wow. And um, so that was the origin of the show that I call The Beeswax Conspiracy. Oh, yes. And that's the kind of, st my standard show on, uh, <laughs> about world of education. It includes, you know, something about the, the four temperaments, uh, Rudolf Steiner's uh, lifestyle points, a way to test to see how devoted an anthroposophist you are. <laughs> it includes uh, advice to parents on how to handle the teacher home visit. Um, on faculty members of how to survive world of meetings. There's a whole range of things, and it's a potentially it's an hour, hour and a half. Well, uh, usually it's close, close to an hour, hour and a half, hour fifteen minutes, hour and a half show. Well, it's so interesting because I feel like in this movement we can take ourselves so seriously. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. So this lightness is absolutely essential. Um, yeah. I guess I wondered, like you know, it seems like it came naturally to you. You know, you've been doing this since third grade. But was there, did you, was there some courage involved to get up there? Yeah, the, yeah. The, um, to stand on the stage by yourself in front of an audience. Uh, and with the with the expectation, their expectation that you're going to make them laugh is terrifying. It can be can be terrifying because you have immediate feedback mm. whether you succeed. People either people laugh or they don't laugh. <laughs> so it's very clear. And I have been fortunate um, in that uh, I have bombed very few times. And the one the one one of the times was when I went actually to a, a comedy club here in. Uh, in Sacramento, and it was political season, and I and it was a the, the audience. If you go to comedy clubs, at least at that time, they're, they're young, they're drinking, and they uh, they appreciate the, the humor. They appreciate is generally has to be sexual humor or bathroom humor or something like that. Right. And I was telling, but I thought very funny, but rather sophisticated political jokes. And there was there was some tittering, but there was, and I kind of I was happy when I got off the stage. That was my one horrible <laughs> experience. Otherwise, I've been fairly, fairly uh, lucky in, in that. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. So, yeah. so courage. Okay, so. Let's take it. Yeah. It, it does take, now I'm pretty confident. I mean, this the, the beeswax conspiracy in front of a, a world of audiences is bomb-proof. I mean, I've given it all over the world, and again, in Israel, in Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, all over Canada, right. you know, and um, it works. That's great. Not, not on wood. And I, I, you know, I keep fine-tuning and changing and adding, so, but the basic stuff is pretty effective. Okay, so how, okay, so you say you, you came to the college and then there was endless material, yeah. which is a very funny joke. Yeah. So how do these jokes come to you? I mean, like, what, what's your, do you have a process or do they just kind of no, show they're, up? They're, 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 they are um, little flashes of lightning from the, Spiritual world is what I, all I can say. I mean, I was in uh, Hawaii last week 
two weeks ago, and I was giving announcements at the Calisco conference. And I have a script. I always have preferred script. But, uh, and, and when I, when, I have, when I write a script, I just, I sit down and I start writing and it just comes, you know, it's like, I, you know, I don't, and then, but uh, I do a lot of, uh, you know, kind of improvisation to like something happens and I'll make, I'll make a, a comment there or somebody says something, I'll make a comment. And I don't know where it comes from. Mm. I, don't, I really, I really don't. Um, hmm. I think it has something to do with the right and the left side of the brain functioning, getting together. You know, mm -hmm. A lot of humor has to do with paradox, bringing together things that don't work. You know, like I have a joke about you know the uh, Waldorf teachers who uh, who are also members of the Hell's Angels. You know, the kind of, <laughs> and therefore they have more uh, sheepskins than the normal Waldorf teacher does. <laughs> uh, so it brings things, and apparently um, when we laugh when, at something humorous, also the, the right and the neck, left brains kind of connect. Oh. So it's like a little moment, momentary uh, satori or something that, you know, the uh, laughter. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I've never heard that before. Uh, soon after I came to the college, I started to teach myself to play the piano. And I felt that after that, that helped, that somehow stimulated my humor making activities. And that with the piano you have to coordinate right and left hands and so the right and left sides of the brain are, is going you know music does that generally but I think particularly an instrument where you really have to be doing different things with with your both your hands it really kind of develops those neural connections you know that's that's the kind of theory that I have about it yeah. but I think you know it's something that I was, I was born my mother had a very good sense of humor and she but both my parents are from a part of Germany which is kind of noted for its its humor mm -hmm. uh, and uh, even when she was in her final hours uh, in the hospital when she died some 20 years ago she was still making jokes as they were kind of wheeling her around in the gurney there so <laughs> I, I, I guess I kind of consider my mother my muse but they, it is something that just seems to come hmm. come to that's that's great. So like, let's talk about that a little bit more. So you know, everybody will talk about the famous sculpture where yeah, yeah. where you've got right, humor. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got humor there, and you know, you're saying that it has this sort of like lightning. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or um, you know, you said the word muse too. Yeah. Like, do you do you feel like some connection with that piece in particular? Yeah, something yeah. Well, that's about an amazing. Humor? That's an amazing piece. I mean, this, this the whole statue in itself. You know, the representative of humanity and. Then Ariman and Lucifer being, thing, and it's kind of represents the whole kind of drama of, of human history. And um, what the, that little face up there that Steiner referred to as cosmic humor, yeah, what it, what it says to me is that in the end, you know, in spite of the whole kind of drama of human history and all the tragedies and suffering, that in the end everything's going to be all right. Hmm. That we're in, that we're in a in a put it in a sense of drama. We're we're engaged in a cosmic comedy rather than a cosmic tragedy. So this, wow. this, uh, this, this little being is looking down there and kind of seeing the paradoxes, the humor, but then also there with the confidence that in the end, if we all do our job, you know, every, everything, you know, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well. You know? mm, that's so really that's beautiful. What yeah. a nice perspective. Yeah, so. You know, and I, I remember last year in Portland, um, Alan spoke and he had talked about the things to sort of combat um, all the challenges we're facing today mm -hmm. and you got up a little later mm -hmm. and you said, you know, one thing 
you didn't mention mm. is humor. Oh, right, and yeah, so, right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, a, I thought, yeah. a really beautiful moment um, and so true. Yeah. And so how how can that help us today? Like, what, you know, what do you well, see? Steiner, Steiner had a very good sense of humor. You know, there's a book, It's unfortunately it's not translated, but it's, it's in German, I may translate it sometime, called uh, Humor and Cheerfulness in the Life of Rudolf Steiner. And it described, you know, Steiner apparently, people recall, uh, remember him, he was... He loved a good joke. He told jokes. He laughed readily. It doesn't come across from the photos, of course, but <laughs> no. uh, he was a very humorous person. And he had a couple of interesting things to say about humor. He said one of them is that true spiritual development cannot take place unless humor is present. And he also said, if we can learn to laugh at ourselves, and most of my humor is about you know, laughing at ourselves as anthroposophists. He said, if we can laugh at ourselves, then Ariman cannot grab hold of us. Hmm. We're out. We can't. He can't get us under his control. And I, I mentioned, I mentioned these two things uh, uh, in Hawaii at the end of my, at the last of my announcements. And then Michaela Gluckler raised her hand and said, and Steiner also said that if we if we are humorous, if we tell jokes, then Lucifer gets angry because mm -hmm. he wants us to be just automatons or he, wa he wants to be the controller. He doesn't want, he wants people, human beings to, to think in a kind of dry way. He doesn't want people, you know, so, mm. so if we can kind of live in a world that's, uh, you know, infused with humor, uh, it helps us and it helps us kind of uh, keep those adversarial beings, uh, mm. At, a little bit at bay, right? Yeah, or in balance. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Wow, that's that's yeah. pretty deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it gets up to the esoteric. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, the jokes are so funny, mm. um, and there's you know all this depth behind it, yeah. which is that's really incredible. And also, I, I, in all my humor, I try not to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. Mm. Um, right. One of the characteristics of of a lot of you know, humor today is attacking people or making people. If you go to a comedy club, and the uh, and the the uh, comedian doesn't have much else to talk about, he'll he'll start he'll start talking to the people in the front row and try to you know mm -hmm. use them as foils for humans. Right. Um, so I, 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 I shy away from that as much as I I can, and I try I always try to put myself in the person who place of the person. If I'm making a comment about a particular person, so I think, okay, is this something that's you know, okay and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of non-violent in, in, in a figurative sense. Yeah, that's so. really nice. Because there's, there's plenty of things to be, to be funny about. I mean, it's just, you know, if you just observe life and see the ironies and the paradoxes of life, there's, it's uh, almost inexhaustible, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like a skill, you know? Yeah. I think um, to be able to walk around and, and notice those things. Yeah, a lot has to do with observation, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking one of the podcasts that I listen to is, is a political podcast, and I think no matter where you stand on either side of it, you do hear a lot of that like bashing mm -hmm. as the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and it's still against another human being, yeah. and so it's hard to. Um, I wonder what it would be like if people were just making jokes about the whole situation in general yeah. rather yeah. than yeah. Of certain people, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but so it's about it's about this observation that you're there, saying. There are, there are different types of, but kind of observation you and kind of 
seeing something and seeing the irony in something and and just uh, maybe exaggerating something so that it goes from the from the realm of being this to being something you know more than that you know like when uh, you know I had this thing about the, the temperaments I talk about the melancholics as being you know people you can really tell your problems to you know and, <laughs> and I say you know after you've told you and when you when you talk to a, a melancholic about your problems there's no limitation of time to melancholic listen to your sad story for as long as you can carry on and then i say and in the end after you've told your your story your sad story to the melancholic you will realize that your situation is much much worse than you ever imagined it <laughs> so kind of just kind of it's a true the melancholics are great listeners and blah 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 but they just kind of add a little tweak to it then it becomes, you know, kind of funny. Even even the fact that, you know, melancholics, if you just, when I just say, you know, melancholics are great listeners, that <laughs> already people, people, you know, see the truth in that. And there's a kind of humor in the, in the truth even. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the truth. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, the reality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So self-observation, observation of the world is a lot, large part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. So, um, how, how, so if you're going to tell me how to bring it more into my life, I mean, you know, uh, I yeah. only play piano for a short time, so I don't think I'm going to develop the left well, and right brain. Uh, but yeah, you know, what, what would you well, tell I, people? Well, I have a, I have a workshop, which I do have done for adults, which I do for adults. I mean, I oh. did it in Canada a couple of weeks ago. It's called, You Are Funnier Than You Look. <laughs> Cultivating the 13th sense, the sense of humor. And it has, we do exercises, uh, you know, group exercises, individual exercises, you know, we write limericks. Uh, I, I give them, as a group, I give them a, the, 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 the task of creating a, uh, a, uh, an advertisement for a distinctive, you know, what, uh, anthroposophical product, you know, like <laughs> a smartphone made out of beeswax and silk or something like that. And they have to create a one-minute late TV late night TV ad about it that includes a little, you know, a presentation of the product, song, a little dance. And it's amazing what people come up with. People, you know, they, it, it's latent in most people, you know, the, you know, creating something, but it's amazing what people come up with. It even works with, with young children, young people. I mm. have a kind of companion workshop now that I just developed about two years ago. Uh, and I've given it in some places around here and I had, did a tour in Canada and and also a tour in uh, the Midwest with it. Uh, it's it's titled Communication, Empathy, Humor, and Sarcasm. Mm. And it's, it's, I've used, I've done it with sixth, seventh, and eighth graders and I've also done it with high school students. And it has to, it kind of focuses on making the students aware of the fact that we communicate, how we communicate. Um, that what we communicate by speech is really important and that mm -hmm. humor is, is a way of communicating, but also humor can be misused and be harmful and even traumatic for people and so forth. Uh, and I, at the end of that, I give them this more or less the same exercise. And it's amazing what these kids, where was I? I just was, where was I? Oh yeah, I was in, in the whole, I did it at the Honolulu school just last week. And this was seventh and eighth grade. And, and in 15 minutes, each of these four groups produced just a very funny, amazing little <laughs> vignette about this object, about you know the, the Waldorf uh, air, air muffin, which doesn't contains no fat 
No salt, <laughs> no gluten. No dairy, <laughs> just, no nuts. It's just air. <laughs> and they did a great job with it. So, you know, people have it. it, it I think, you know, some people have it, have it, have it more, mm -hmm. but some, it's like, uh, you know, musical ability. Some people are born with it, but everybody has it as its kind of basic human thing and, and it can be cultivated. So that's, that's why I like to do these adult workshops and the, and the student workshops, because it, I guess people, you know, in touch with that. I can just imagine, you know, in faculty meetings and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, how things get so tense yeah, and yeah. Um, just having this kind of thing in your back pocket yeah. and remembering, you know, yeah, yeah. some of these jokes. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe you can, could you tell us a, a few? I, I mean, you can, I, I, we, my, my favorite joke, you might have heard this one, my favorite anthroposophical joke. I don't really tell, I don't really tell jokes. Right, right. I'm giving like a, I'm giving an educational lecture that happens to be funny, you know, <laughs> but occasionally I, I tell a joke and this is my favorite one and it has to do with uh, an anthroposophist, a rabbi, and an evangelical pastor. Got it. And they die at the same time. They're, they're, say they're, they're in a car and they happen to have a crash, they all perish at the same time and then they're all up at the pearly gates uh, outside of heaven, and each of them is about to be interviewed by God to see if they qualify to get into to heaven. And uh, so the, the uh, rabbi goes in, and he's there for, uh, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, and he comes out, and he's shaking his head, and he's like, oh my goodness, I never dreamed that it was as complicated as it is that the the structure of the universe, the origin of the universe, the whole story is so complicated, it's kind of, it's totally beyond my comprehension. I just, and he, he sits down and he puts his head in his hands and, and then the evangelical pastor goes in and he, uh, he, uh, he's there for 45 minutes, an hour, and then he comes out and he's shaking his head and he says, oh my gosh, I just had no concept that it was so refined and complicated and, and, and harmonized. I just had no idea that the whole Kind of structure of things and the meaning of things was so complicated. So finally, and he just then puts his head in his hand. He just you know can't can't get over it. And finally, the anthroposophist goes in, and he's in there for a half hour, forty five minutes, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Two hours later, the door opens, and God comes out, and he's shaking his head and he said, "I never knew it was that complicated." <laughs> Oh, that's a great I think that's, that's the best, best one. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are lots of other anthroposophical jokes. You know, you know how many light bulbs does it take? How many anthroposophists does it take to screw in a light bulb and say we don't know? Rudolf Steiner didn't give didn't give any indications for it. But that's the best one. Oh, that's a great yeah, People like, like hearing that again and again. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good one. So, um, if we if we want to find you. How do we find? What's the best? Well, I the have best a, way to find you. I don't, I don't have a website. I haven't, I never I haven't gotten around to getting. Although I've been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but best way is just to email me uh, at my uh, Waldorf Association email address, which is R K O E T Z S C H at A W S N A dot o r g so r k o e t z s c h at a w s n a dot o r g and that's that's the spelling of my last name uh when i was born they were having a sale on consonants so 
my, my name is, is thing. Yeah. And actually, it's, it's a very nice name. It's uh, it's a kind of Germ German Slavic name, and it it means in in the in the Sorbian language, not the Serbian, but the Sorbian. Sorbian. It's a very small Slavic group in Germany. It means friend of cats. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And we have a cat, Amelia, and she's a she's a brilliant cat. She's a brilliant cat. <laughs> She's in her second year of law school. Good and for this her. is what this is what I I met, I explained, I did mention this at in Hawaii that uh, generally speaking Rudolf Steiner was correct in what he said about various things but he was totally incorrect about his uh, understanding of domesticated animals. He said the he said he said all animals they don't have memory they have a group soul you know etc etc and the, he did not know or know about the American West Coast cat. He was dealing with these rather lethargic, dim-witted Central European cats. <laughs> but the West Coast cat, like my Amelia, they were cats that came over from Europe somehow, and then somehow came all across the country, you know? Right. So they are much more evolved, <laughs> much more intelligent, much more resourceful than what Steiner. So I forgive him for his lack of appreciation of the West Coast cat, but it is, I think, uh, yeah, it is something we would, we would have to really. Well, I address. mean, second year of law school, yeah, this she's a pretty yeah, serious cat. Yeah, she's very sweet. She communicates with us. She tells us when to do this, when to do that. Oh. She's all, she's usually in the in here, but she she, she went out. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she didn't have to hear his perspective. Yeah, uh, yeah we, you know, we try to protect, protect her from, from... Protect her from, the, <laughs> from <laughs> these <that>. misunderstandings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, is there anything about humor that you wanted to say more about? Yeah, well, I think people should expose themselves to humor as much as possible. It is. <laughs> I mean, if we listen to the news, you know, I don't listen. I don't listen to the news in the morning. I mean, uh, you know, the news is is filled with you know just you know, tragedies. You know, mm -hmm. tragedies, tragedies and disasters. You know, and I think it's really, frankly, I think it's not kind of hygienic, psychologically hygienic to just always be listening to the news. But anyway, that's, that's. But as an antidote to this kind of endless stream of you know negative events to to expose myself to, there's a you can go online, and for example, uh, and see what Saturday Night Live has been doing. You can just click into their thing and so forth. I think Jerry Seinfeld is pretty pretty good, and others. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So just have to look for it and laugh with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I think it's a great therapeutic. Should be part of everybody's day. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. For oh, this my pleasure. Thank interview. you. Interview. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the Osna Conference. Right. And uh, around. In Washington. Is it? Yeah, yeah Washington. Washington. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. Thank, Thank you, you very you. much. Okay. okay. Goodbye. <laughs>